0: Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the Blue Blue and White White Brothers.
1: Brothers.
0: (laughs) Two brothers. Two takes. One One team. Hey, bro. Uh. We're back at it here uh, for our second preseason episode, and uh, last time you were recording from uh, what was it, uh, Wallace, Idaho? Yeah, like uh, whore town or something. <laughs> 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 yeah,
1: 1991. <laughs> Anyways, um, I so wh- where are you
0: now? I've si-
1: it's been a week, and I have still not found a laundromat since that uh,
0: stop. Let me um, just say I- I'm glad we're recording in separate locations <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
1: I had to do um, uh, what we call shower laundry or sink laundry again last night Special um, Yeah We did and- that a few
0: times in Guatemala, to be honest so I- Yeah, I- yeah I-, I get it, you do what you gotta do
1: I mean, with, you also weren't riding, you know, 50 to 100 miles a day in 100 degree heat in, in the back roads of Idaho and Montana <laughs> um, So But a little I did bit have different- teenagers so it's a little bit different. <laughs> um, application but still, necessity is
0: necessity, right? I am,
1: yeah. I am been, I've been flip flopping around on the Idaho Montana border, uh, going through all kinds of crazy. Just make back. up your
0: mind already.
1: I, that's what this route hasn't been able to do is make <laughs> up its mind. And I'm currently in Darby,
0: Montana,
1: right now. Darby, um, yeah.
0: Wasn't there like an old Disney, like Darby O'Gill? Darby Gill.
1: Darby Gill.
0: And the little people,
1: yep, darby yep. and the little is that people. what
0: that town is named after
1: i am I can only imagine
0: that's exactly <laughs> what it's named after um <laughs> you sent me a text uh saying that you had just made it into the hotel last night, and like it was the most grueling stretch you yeah. encountered the entire yeah. time you've been out there, and I've been out here for three thousand miles now, and um on a bike,
1: not electric at all, by the way, all pedal, all pedaled by my own human feet. And, um, yeah, I just came through. <laughs> so the beauty of being me and doing what I do is I don't research what I'm about to do. I just like have the idea to go and do it and I'll just go and execute and commit, you know, commit and execute rather. And so <laughs> a few days ago, I'm leaving, um, uh, where was I? I was leaving the town of, uh, I don't even remember. It's so tough to remember the names of these places. But but basically, uh, these last three days were have been super difficult. It's been like 100-degree heat. There's been smoke from wildfires in the air. Um, and the route itself has been going up uh, these very, very steep, rugged mountain roads. Um, and, you know, with a fully loaded down um bike it's it's tough it's really hard and this last uh yesterday and the day before there was this road called the magruder and it's a extremely rugged um mountain is that the
0: official name the magruder
1: yes that is the official name i don't know why it's called that
0: there was some sort of like
1: there's some sort of like magruder massacre or something up
0: uh, up around i just assumed it was based on the saturday night live sketch no that's magruber a little oh, different,
1: right! A little different. <laughs> yeah, based on the uh, and that's a spoof of MacGyver, of course, of course. But no, when you when you're entering the Magruder Corridor, as they call it, it's also called the Nez Perce Trail Road. Um, it's a It says it has this caution sign. It says narrow mountain road, no services for 113 mile, miles, approximately eight hours of driving time. That's if you're in a vehicle. Uh, axe, shovel. And bucket essential at all times. <laughs> Driver in
0: your when you're in a car, this is what they're saying.
1: Yeah. And early snows may close this road to, at any time, proceed at your own risk. Um, and the locals around the, the area talk about that. This they, they call I some of them just call it the Montana Road. Um, the locals do, but they it's like the place people go to die, basically. <laughs> um <laughs> well I'm glad. I'm glad and, you made it through bro. Well, yeah because at one point I'm I'm at a high point on the on the road and I can see three different forest fires nearby. One was very close, one actually th- it threatens the road itself um within a f- couple of miles and and that's not even the fire that's actually going to be rerouting me leaving Darby. there's a huge fire just south of me called the moose fire that's just burning up m- whole mountainsides and it's you could see the flames from at night from all around and so yeah it's it's been an interesting trip so far
0: <laughs> well uh amazingly this is uh uh, two times in a row where we've actually been able to make the connection. Um, we're we're uh, coming to you on Thursday, August eighteenth, and uh, for me, my my situation is unchanged uh, from last time. My air conditioning still is not working, but fortunately, the the heat is broken, so it's been windows open, kind of uh, pleasant weather here. So I'm not nearly as miserable. Um this last week I've been helping both of my kids who are in high school now and they're they're going back and and they both decided that what they really wanted to do was to to re um to redo their room. So I've been helping them paint and we oh, got wow. new assembling furniture from IKEA. I got a I got a an injury from twisting those like allen wrenches like 5000 <laughs> Not really an injury, but like, I've been, I was like, my forearm Your has hand been sore is for sore. the last week. <laughs> I
1: was like,
0: I uh, wonder if I could get some uh, insurance money for for that, you know? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. We, we're experiencing, both of us are experiencing, you know, physical body pains from the the hard from- efforts we've
0: been putting <laughs> forward. Exactly. <laughs> you and I are the same, basically. Same, it's the same. same. Yeah, person. total.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but anyway, um, yeah, we're looking at. Um, gosh, it's it's a Thursday. Like I said, it's only two weeks until Penn State's first game, so we got some we got some things to talk about. We got to get into talking about this team. Um, we're going to talk about the offense on this episode, and then um, the next episode we'll talk about the defense. And um, before we do that, there is some. News just to get into. uh, We're going to bring you our first news and notes of the season right now. News and notes. All right. Well, the first thing just to note, um, is that the AP and coaches polls have come out since we last recorded. And, um, I don't know if you call it a surprise or not, but Penn state was not in the top 25 on either of those polls. And, um, I've read a couple of articles about it, the people with their various takes on it, but bro, I'm, I'm curious, what's your take on the fact that Penn state is not in a preseason poll, uh, at least in the top 25
1: works to our favor. We also aren't deserving of a top twenty-five ranking. You can't. You can't just. In my opinion, you shouldn't rank on just the talent that's on the sidelines. Like the talent that was on the sidelines last year, um, you know, cratered at the end of the season, and we we had a horrible season the year before. So two years in a row of bad seasons. Yeah, yeah, we got talent. You know, yeah, if it's put together, we could be a top twenty-five team, but we haven't shown that we can be. You know, we've cratered since being ranked number five and and the voters remember. So I don't care that we're not ranked. I think that works to our benefit for motivational
0: purposes. Yeah, I I, first of all, I'm not a fan of preseason polls to begin with. It creates narratives that are really hard to shake. Um, And a lot of it is based on prejudice and based on, you know, simply school reputation and what you did last year Um, on that count the second half of the year last year, Penn state, just total face plant, you know? Um, and, uh, especially that, that bowl game that we played against, um, an Arkansas team that, you know, I think on paper we were well matched up against. And, um, I think the final score was 24 to 10. It just looked really bad, especially in the second half. So, um, I, I, to me, it makes a lot of sense. Um, The other thing that's interesting to note, you look at like others also receiving votes and, and Penn state there is, I think is like 27 in both polls, 27th, but some of the teams that are after us was, were notable. I mean, I think, um, Auburn was after us, for example, in both polls, Tennessee was after us in both polls, you know, teams that are also, I mean, Tennessee hasn't been respectable for a while, but teams that like are notable national brands were ranked below us. Also notable were some of the teams that were ranked above us. Like, um, this is going to be a hard one, bro. Pitt. Pitt <laughs> is ranked above us. Yeah, they, like they, the lost 16, they lost a range. lot. 16, 17 They're not going to be repeating what they did last year. I know, but it's just like people see Pitt as a better team than Penn State as we start the season. That's, uh, you know, to, to your point, though, I think it works in our favor because, number one, it it's going to show – Uh, I think the guys on the team that they got to prove it on the field, you know, just people aren't going to respect them just for walking, you know, onto the football field or just for, you know, having a name that has been recognized for the last, I don't know, say six years in the case of Sean Clifford. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, to me, room for growth. And um, I, I think I want to see that they're better than their ranking uh, as, as do a lot of people. So yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens when the team, Uh, takes the field in just two weeks. Uh, The other big thing is this literally hit the news minutes before we pressed record. And that is that um, the big 10 has finalized a new media rights deal. We talked a lot about this last episode, the amount of money that's going into college sports um, these days, this new deal, bro, worth $7 billion. That's a lot of dollars, Andy. It's a lot of money, um, and it's going to amount to eighty to a hundred million annually for each school. So um, the other kind of really big uh, turning point, and this was already in the news before it was finalized, um, had leaked out that ESPN is not part of this deal. They've been broadcasting Big Ten games since nineteen eighty two in one form or another, and they're going to have no part of uh, Big Ten. Programming, I uh, unless perhaps we're playing a non-conference game with another conference. Uh, you know, ESPN picked up the SEC like they like, basically like the Auburn. Elbowed game. out. Who's going
1: to be like televising the Auburn game is a good question. Since it's an yeah, like home in, a, game.
0: in a few years, you know that cross you know, cross promotional game, or I should say cross conference game, those kind of things. Like maybe you, you know, we would show up on ESPN or, you know, another big 10 team would show up on ESPN Mm. certainly in a postseason, but for your regular season in conference games, no ESPN. And, um, uh, they're going to work it out so that, um, each of the three broadcast partners, as they call them, um, Fox, CBS, and NBC, they each get their own window. So Fox is going to get the noon window. CBS is going to get the afternoon window, three thirty or four, whenever they put NBC on. NBC primetime, and, and NBC is going to be primetime. Um, big Ten Network, of course, is still going to broadcast forty or fifty games each season. Um, Peacock, there's going to be streaming only games on Peacock. Um, Fox Sports One, I'm sure, is going to broadcast games, but those big three are are going to, you know, have all the marquee games. Is national, Apple did games. Apple weasel their way into this? I I was I was re- reading the the article pretty quickly and I I nothing's finalized. What I didn't quite catch is whether or not that um, was shut down or whether there's still an opportunity for them to pick up. Um, I, I'm thinking maybe that won't be happening because they finalized a deal unless they left the window open for one more um, streaming partner, um, which I heard was either Amazon or Apple. Um, but in any case, the, yeah, it's big news. Um, You know, it's kind of it's going to be sort of like uh, developing over the next few years as um, CBS's deal winds down with the SEC and also as um, USC and UCLA come in. So there's going to be a transitional period over the next few years. But you know, starting 2024 and 2025, um, the way we watch Big Ten games is going to change a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah. What's um? I think the biggest implication at least from like a traditional standpoint is like, so what if we're not like televised on ESPN? Like, I don't care. I don't personally care. I'm going to watch the games on whatever channel they're on. Like, do do I, I'll miss having Kirk Herbstreet call a whiteout. You know, I'll miss Chris Fallon, Kirk Herbstreet, like up there, you know, touting how amazing the whiteout is. That's not going to happen again for another, you know, however many years. Um, unless Kirk leaves for another organization, which isn't entirely possible, I imagine. Um, but you, I I wonder if it will affect where ESPN and College Game Day chooses to go on their in their locations. Yeah. I wonder if this if they'll have some sort of resent resentful little spite built in <laughs> to like not going to Big Ten games as as easily. As much as they would, yeah. Want. There was
0: a lot of talk from there was a lot of talk from from Kevin Warren of like we really appreciate ESPN and what a good broadcast partner they've been. Like there wasn't any ESPN bashing, and I wonder no. if that's part of it. Like no, no, they no. still need to like they still need to have you know good consideration from ESPN. I, I would say like for me like I have really been I've been worried and unappreciative of how dominant ESPN has been. Yeah. Like it's, ba- it's been basically a monopoly. So I think this is a good thing for uh college football from a television perspective that you're getting. It you're should strengthening be a good other- thing.
1: It should be a good thing. I, I, I'm concerned that it creates this rivalry between these networks though. That's what I'm kind of getting yeah. at is like, is like ESPN's not going to want to show up right. to a, to a Fox big noon kickoff, you know, game or an NBC primetime
0: game. Like you're not going to want to do that. That's obviously going to be a consideration. And like the other, like to me, the two things that we lose, because I haven't felt that ESPN has done a great job broadcasting the vast majority of games. Yeah, sure. It feels like they're phoning it in a lot of the time, but they do have the best, in my opinion, the best broadcast team in the industry in Chris and Kirk. And, And I also think they have the best show in the industry in college game day. So I think, I, Penn State's going to miss out on that. Big Ten's going to miss out on that. But you hope that the other, um, like Fox has the, been. You investing know, I, I'd be in interested it. to see what NBC is going to do. I think for for NFL, NBC does the best job broadcasting NFL games. Um, they've done a great job with Notre Dame games. You know, I watch those because of um, my wife's uh, affiliations. Um, so I, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see you know, how this pushes ESPN to do better and just how we might really find ourselves enjoying the games a lot more most of the time than we have in the past. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. Well, Hey, speaking of enjoying the games, uh, our first game is coming up in just two weeks. As we've said a number of times, it is going to be broadcast nationally on Fox Thursday night game. Um, and one of the biggest questions that we have to cover is, like, what the heck is the offense going to look like this year? Second year for offensive coordinator Mike Yersich. And, um, you know, he came in last year with a lot of fanfare after uh, a Kirk Shiraka year, an offense that just didn't do a lot. And we were really looking forward to that uh, last year. And, um, you know, by the end of the year, I'd say we were definitely <laughs> – disappointed with uh, Mike Yersuch's first year at the helm. Um, let me just do a quick recap of what that looked like. All right. Um, so we did win the first five games of the season and we were feeling great. We were ranked highly. And then we went on after um, face planting against Iowa to lose Six of our last eight, Our backup quarterback
1: face planted against Iowa, which
0: I put on the coaches I mean, for sure. I mean, you know, the injury of the injury of our number one quarterback who was expected to take us there, Sean Clifford in the middle of that Iowa game was a, a turning point for sure. And who knows what a healthy Sean Clifford would have done to our season going forward and how that changed things. But um, nonetheless, that's, that's what, that's what happened. You know, Clifford did come back to play in Illinois, the majority of the games, he, but he sucked. Um, yeah. I'm just going to say whether that suck. Whether that sucking was a, a result of his injury or just a result of, you know, losing finally the mojo. hitting the level. You know, it was also the it was also Big Ten play that coincided It was also with Illinois turn. Illinois. I mean, that, I, can, I <laughs> that Illinois game, I don't know if I can think about that more than in like three or four second increments, you know. I, um, look, here's part of the problem. (laughs) No, no, please don't. Here's part of the problem last year. We scored 30 plus points only three times last year versus ball state where we scored 44. That was our high on the season versus Villanova where we scored 38 and against one big 10 team. We scored more than 30 points. Can you, can you name that big 10? I'm just going to guess that it was Rutgers. No. It was not Rutgers. Who was it? It was Maryland. Mm. That's the same. That's the same
1: team. That's the same exact team. <laughs> it, it,
0: they're interchangeable. <laughs> we scored. We only scored twenty-eight against Rutgers. That was, of course, that was the COVID game when our entire team had COVID, oh, right, and yeah. um, we have got our first glimpse of uh, Christian Bayou. Um, you know, we also, by the way, lost by single digits in every single regular season yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah, so we lost by three to Iowa, isn't it? We lost by four to Michigan, we lost by four to Michigan State, we lost by nine to Ohio State, and then, of course, as you already mentioned, we lost to two by Illinois in the ninth over. Isn't it, um, strange
1: that, like, you know, for as much crap as we give Sean Clifford, um, that you know, we, we always say that oh, last year we were ranked right fifth, we were beating Iowa by X amount of points when Clifford went down. If Clifford had stayed healthy, we would have done. Everyone talks about the last season, like if Clifford had remained healthy, um, then we would have like been a much better team. But then, but then at the same time, people also talk crap about Clifford. It's like, well, is Clifford good or is Clifford not good? Like, what is Sean Clifford? Like, do uh, that is the big question. What is he? Like, is he as good so as I, our number, fifth, number five ranking led, led us to believe? Because um, obviously the rest of the team fell apart without Clifford being healthy. So is Sean Clifford the glue that keeps our team good? Like what?
0: Well, the coaches <laughs> seem to think so, you know, right? because um, he's he's the hands down starter this year. Um, you know, and I read a couple of articles. um one in particular that that talked about, you know, opposing defensive coordinators, having a lot of respect for Sean Clifford and the type of player he is. He obviously brings a lot to the table. Um, you know, let's, let's just, I, I, before we get into Sean Clifford specifically, let's just talk about the passing game last year, okay? So there were some good things about the passing game, uh, some really clutch plays. I remember specifically in Wisconsin when we were, you know, on the verge of losing that game and a long pass, totally flipped the game around. Same thing against Auburn. Some really, uh, really decent passing in that Auburn game. I think Clifford's completion percentage was almost 80% in that game. And oh, by the way, don't forget, we had Jahan Dotson on the team last year who was the man. And of course now he's um, gone to uh, Washington. Um, But Parker Washington uh, also had a lot of, uh, great catches last year and he's back this year. Um, tight ends. We had some great tight ends on the squad last year. All three of them are back. Um, but they kind of disappeared as the season went on. Um, in spite of some, uh, some early, um, successes. The, the there. tight
1: ends need to step their game up and, and I'm not sure that they're going to be showcased, um, any more than they were last year like we have had in years past with Pat Fryermuth and Mike Kosicki. Um, You know, those guys were big producers. I don't know if any singular one of these tight ends is going to uh, break out from the bunch. Um, and, you know, Tyler Warren might be the best well-rounded of the three, but, you know, the talent the talent is there for um, the other two to to, to really kind of – be very good. I just I you know, I don't know if Mike Yersich's Mike Yersich's offense is tailored for, you know, showcasing one tight end over another at least at this juncture.
0: Yeah, so we'll get into position groups uh, in a little bit, but I to me I have the tight end circled as well as like a one of the bigger question marks about how they're going to develop this year. Um one of the things that um yeah, I mean, the season really rose and fell last year on Sean Clifford. Like I said, when he got injured, that's when the season turned. And we had no serviceable backup quarterback at the time. Um, and that that pr- pretty much summarized, I think, the the long and short of, of our season last year. And just, uh, you know, for the record, Clifford, in spite of his injury, still had a pretty darn good year, statistically speaking. He passed for over 3,000 yards on the season. Did you know that? I don't think I did. (laughs) That's his, that's his most, the most passing yards of his career in a season was last year at 3,107. That's good for the fourth best all time at Penn state, by the way. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. uh, So he, although he had a lower average per attempt um, last year than he did in 2019, his first year, um, he was still higher than he was during the COVID year. So his average per attempt went up from uh, last year. Oh, by the way, bro, he has a 60.8% 60. 60. completion rate. Um, That was h- his completion rate last year, which is an increase over his first two years. So he's actually getting better in his completion rate. That's, um, and by flammacy. the way, that is the fifth best all time in a season last year, Clifford's. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, Well,
1: so he's still, I mean, that's great. I'm, I'm happy that there's been some, some improvement there. Um, I think we know that that's a misleading statistic in a
0: lot of ways. (laughs) Well, some of it's misleading because, um, do you know how many times he was sacked last year? I'm just going to throw a number out and I really have no idea.
1: 50.
0: It wasn't that it wasn't quite that much, no. But it was still egregious. He he was sacked thirty times. That's that's fifty in my mind. <laughs> he had three games where he was sacked four times and his uh high sacks per game game. Do you remember what game that was? Oh Andy, I you know It was Michigan. Okay. It was yeah, Michigan. Do you remember sense. how many times he was sacked that
1: game? Uh nine. <laughs> it was seven. But yeah, it's it's pretty sad. Um so it's amazing so, how you know, quickly my brain
0: decides to forget all the atrocities <laughs> from last season. Was, okay, speaking of atrocities, while we're talking about just sort of getting our, our memories back of last year, how about the run game?
1: Well, the run game is what I remember as being like the true Achilles heel of the whole season, in my opinion um yeah Sean so, Clifford so trivia the reason the reason for Sean Clifford needing to feel like he has to make every play and making the worst mistakes on all those crazy plays where he where you're just like Clifford what are you doing it's because he has no running game to like pick up the slack so he's literally has to be the one to do almost all of it and that's what, why he gets injured do and, you remember
0: you know do you remember Larry Johnson's big year rushing yeah of course yeah, what do you remember? What his rush total was?
1: Two thousand two,
0: two thousand like that. 2000, right? Over like, two thousand. Yeah, it was like
1: two thousand and like seventy yards or something like that.
0: Yeah. So, how much did our entire team rush for last year on the season? Seventeen hundred yards. Fourteen hundred. That's really bad. That's really bad. We had. We had no hundred yard rushers, so no game. Rodney where, Kinlaw uh, may have
1: had as many rushing yards as that, and his
0: his lone season as
1: a Penn State starting quarterback. <laughs> and you don't even remember Rodney Kinlaw at all, do you? No, he had like thirteen no. or fourteen hundred yards in one year. You mean starting running back? He was a. It's what did
0: I say? You said quarterback, oh, but yeah. running back, of course. Yeah. Not, okay, so we haven't had a hundred yard rusher in the past sixteen games, dude. Wow, sixteen games since we had someone run for a hundred yards. This has become um, a problem. Were we true or false? We ranked last in rushing last season in the big 10. I'm just going to go ahead and say true. It's false. We were 13th. Okay. Who was 14th <laughs> Second to last? I think it's Purdue. So, and by the way, that'll be and an exciting the reason game. Why
1: Purdue
0: is because I didn't even they, try. They
1: they're not. Tr- <laughs> yeah. They're not. Tr- Purdue is a throw, a throwing team. And yes, they will run the ball. But, like, that's not how they're geared to play. They're not – and we are tr- we are literally the opposite. We are trying to run the ball. We're beating our heads yeah. against the wall trying to run the ball.
0: Literally. We're, we're beating our heads against a brick wall that's backed up by a concrete wall that's backed up by a steel wall that's built against a cliff.
1: What if we can't run <laughs> the ball this year?
0: Yeah. What if we can't run a ball again this year? Now we have a new a
1: new starting lineup in the offense – um by and large uh i think almost entirely it's, except for juice Scruggs, I, I i think everybody else is kind of kind of new to the to the i guess caden wallace was, has been out there for a while but yeah well, but yeah anyways. i've got
0: a i've got a little rundown of who's coming back here in a second well, so but.
1: so my 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 thought is wh- where does the blame go after this year if we can't run the ball like trout wine is this going to be his third year with us i think maybe fourth even yeah. Like Troutwine I, had boasted those all Americans on his offensive line when he was up at Boston College. And it was a, a supposedly a why have we not been able I mean, to find it's like a that good offensive um, line?
0: Keenan Thompson from uh, Saturday Night Live says uh I can't remember what the sketch is, but he's like, fix it. It's his yeah, it's his big line. That's that I don't care. They just need to fix it. What um, in the last heck? year, do you know who our leading rusher was? I'll just assume it was Kevon Lee. It was Kevon Lee, and what was his rushing total for the season? Oh,
1: dreadful! Probably like f- six hundred and forty-eight yards, five hundred thirty.
0: Oh man, <laughs>
1: even, I, uh, right behind him.
0: Right behind, not right behind him, but second was with Noah it. Kane with oh. three hundred fifty
1: and Noah Kane was never himself ever again since the 2019 yeah. season essentially and that's unfortunate. Uh and so, he's no longer with us. He's down in LSU with with Brian Kelly. That's oh, your the favorite su- with coach his southern drawl. Brian your Kelly. Favorite
0: coach ever, Brian Kelly. Yeah, um yeah. <clears throat> all right. So um so that's what we did last year. Had some success, not a lot. <laughs> Uh, and certainly the down the stretch it was our, our offense just could not get it done. We couldn't get the points we needed and the run game was truly abysmal. Um, so who do we have coming back to to put it together for this year? First of all, of course we already said quarterback Sean Clifford coming back for his sixth year at Penn State. It's his um, fifth year uh, non-redshirted. Um, We also have Kevon Lee coming back as a running back and Devin Ford, by the way, is back off injured.
1: Devin Ford.
0: Yep. Um, Um, Keziah Holmes just put his name in the transfer portal. Right. Um, Keandre Lambert Smith is back uh, at his wide receiver position. And in addition to Parker Washington, who we already mentioned tight ends. Uh, we mentioned the uh the three from last year all coming back Theo Johnson, Brenton Strange, Tyler Tyler Warren and um from the O line we do have three um uh, three guys coming back they were not they were not all starters last year but with significant experience Juice Scruggs, Caden Wallace and Alamuweya Fashanu. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Olu. O- 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 Olu, Olu is he goes Oh no, by no, for no short.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Alanu Fashanu I think. I, I forget, honestly. His I, I,
0: Alu <laughs> Muyawa Fashanu. <laughs> yeah, we got to work on Yikes. that. Yeah, um, we're gonna have to. I think no, that he goes to uh, goes by Alu for short. But anyway, yeah. Fashanu is um, is also going to be um, likely starting. Um, he played in eight games last year. Yeah, um, he
1: actually was. He looked pretty good. I think they're pretty excited about him. Yeah, the Left tackle um, spot.
0: All right. So here's who we lost. You already mentioned Noah Kane, um, also lost John Lovett. Um, he's now with the Carolina Panthers trying to get a roster spot. Um, he had come in from Baylor and unfortunately just didn't contribute quite as much as we were hoping. Um, Jahan Dotson from the wide receivers. Um, he's been drafted and probably probably looking to make an impact with the Washington commanders. Ugh. Oh, just a terrible name. I mean, I, well, I understand why we changed they, from the Redskins. Yeah. I, honestly, what I would have gone with, and I, we talked about this last year, the Warthogs, yeah. the Washington Warthogs, the Hog. Mollies. Nice alliteration, <laughs> and they've got the pigs, yeah. Yeah. you know, or the hogs, or whatever that yeah. that that like um, cheering crew is called. Yeah, the the uh, what are they called? I don't. even What remember. are they called? Uh, it doesn't matter. We're not fans anyway, of the Washington they, Commanders. They they missed they missed out on it. They, they a little <laughs> on the nose with the patriotism. Yeah. Um, Anyway, um so that's where Jahan Dotson is. Um, we also lost Daniel George and Cam Sullivan Brown. Um they had 4 years of eligibility used up. They could have stayed for their bonus COVID year, but they I think saw the writing on the wall and they they've moved on. They're they're done with their career at Penn State. Um and then um, offensive line, we lost Mike Miranda and Rashid Walker in addition to Dez Holmes, Anthony Wigan, and Eric Wilson. And as far as I can tell, none of those guys are playing in the NFL. Yep. They're just, uh, eligibility has gone. And that, that tells you something, bro. You lose five O linemen to, um, eligibility and none of them are playing in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, so what do you, yeah, what do you,
1: I mean, it, t- it tells you all you need to know. Kind of really.
0: Yeah, I mean, but the both for the run game and the number of sacks given up, right? <laughs> it's well, so what's crazy is, you know, our our left tackle,
1: um what was our left tackle's name back there last year? The Is
0: it Rashid Walker?
1: Rashid Walker, thank you. Um I, my, my brain is still on Olaf Ashana. Um and Rashid was going into last season was was uh, uh you know, projected to possibly be a first round draft pick and then and that was only if he like elevated his game and he didn't elevate in fact if anything he took a step back because he was getting beat like like anytime the the offensive line was crumbling if you looked at Rashid Walker he was a lot of the times the culprit of the problem which yeah which you don't want from your he came back for his senior year to to b- bolster his draft stock and and he did not. He did not do himself any favors. He did not do Sean Clifford any favors. He did not do uh, the Penn State Nittany Lions rushing attack any favors. Um, and that's sad because uh, you know he's been starting as a since a, re- a retro freshman, I believe, or even a true freshman, I think.
0: Yeah. So um,
1: yeah, how's that there.
0: offensive line going to look this year? Is a big, big question. Um, hey, last thing before we start talking about those specific position groups. There are some new players coming in to look out for, all right? First is two new quarterbacks, true freshman, Drew Alar and Bo Pribula. Or Pribula, I I, I can't still figure out how to say his last name. We'll figure it out if he gets in a game this year. (laughs) I expect, I mean, one of them is going to be the number three QB. So I expect that we'll see one of them at least in... A game that we're either losing, you know, miserably well, against, or hopefully on the other side that we're, you know, we've run away with, and and we'll get to see them. Well, the beauty um,
1: of, of this is this year compared to last year, and you know, sadly, I already don't remember the backup quarterback who Taquan transferred- Roberson. Taquan Roberson. Like you know, there was part of me who was somewhat in- intrigued by Taquan. I, like, oh yeah, Clifford sucks. Get Taquan in there. It's like, oh my gosh. Clifford is so much better than Taequann Robertson. Like this is this, our backup was horrible. It's like, he never even like practiced before is what it it looked like. So, so this year, at least we have a backup that has already got game experience and won us a game last year.
0: Yeah. And don't forget um, Penn state was dealing with the departure of Will Levis via the transfer portal. And he's, he's the going to be starting at Kentucky again. and, And, and people People are really high on Will Levis, and they have Kentucky ranked pretty highly this year. In part because of of having Will Levis at yeah, quarterback. So
1: if if Kentucky goes on to have a, another good season, they had a good season last year, um, and if they go on to have another good season this year, and Will Levis, excuse me, Will Levis gets drafted at all in my mind, then everyone will think that you know what they already assume is that. Um, Franklin made the wrong decision by starting Clifford over Will Levis. Right, exactly. Because um, there, there's um, even been some projections that said Will Levis could get drafted in the first round. I think that's absurd. I don't think that will <laughs>
0: remotely happen, um, well, but he'll get drafted. Sean Clifford could get drafted in the first round if he has the kind of no. season we've always no, he wanted him he, to. He,
1: no, he will not. He has too much bad tape. He has too much it's, bad tape. He'll have true, but sixty percent completion is rate
0: is nothing to sneeze at. To be honest, it, it's
1: not it has nothing to do.
0: That has nothing to do. With anyway, why, we're, you we know digress. why he
1: wouldn't get we You you've watched him play. You watched him <laughs> in moments of, of being under Honestly, duress.
0: You know who he reminds me of is Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco's a light years better quarterback than Sean Clifford. Uh, and I, the reason I say that is he has a really good thrown ball when he has a clean pocket, but when he's on the run, he gets flustered and makes dumb decisions. That's exactly what I watched Joe Flacco do for five or six years at Baltimore. I think
1: Sean Clifford is, does not do well like consistently in any one thing. I don't think he is consistent. So like when you say when he has a clean pocket, Sean Clifford has, has made some really bad passes in a clean pocket.
0: Yeah. Fair point. Well, Hey, listen, let's, um, we'll, we're jumping the gun on Sean Clifford a little bit. We'll talk to him, talk about That's him. That's why you depth. hired me. I'm the jump. I know the, the gun I jumper. Know. We'll get there. So, um, we were on new players to look for this year. So we'll see one of those two new true freshman quarterbacks this year, most likely. Um, if not both, uh, we also have a new offensive lineman coming in a guy named G- J B Nelson. He's a a redshirt sophomore transferring in from a a JUCO. I'm I'm assuming the one that we've been getting a lot of JUCO guys from recently, Lackawanna, but I'm not sure about that. Um, He's projected to start. Um, We also have another true freshman um, skill player coming in, uh, actually two of them, running back Nick Singleton, who's getting a ton of hype in camp. And some people are projecting him to end the year as the number one uh, running back. For I, the team. I'm projecting that personally. He also just um, was up for a,
1: a, a freshman All-American preseason award just the other day, like, so, like you know, a national I mean,
0: award. He's literally played no one on the college level, but the, you know, people are, are drawing comparisons to Saquon Barkley, not so much in running style, but just in terms of like the, the difference making ability that he may have. Um, uh, wide receiver Caden Saunders, also a true freshman, expected to see the field this year, um, and then finally, this might be the biggest name that you're going to hear a lot about this year if he stays healthy. Healthy is transfer wide receiver Mitchell Tinsley um, had a huge year last year with Western Kentucky, uh, put his name in the transfer transfer portal, and we picked him up. And a lot of people are saying um, he is a a, a real chance to be our number one wide receiver this year. And, um, you know, we'll see. He's bigger than Jahan Dotson, but he's basically going to be playing Jahan Dotson's position, um, running those deep routes and getting open. And, you know, who who knows? He could have, (coughs) I mean, people are talking about him, like he could have like an all season, you know, record-breaking season at Penn State if, if Sean Clifford throws the ball like he's been throwing the last few years to um to guys in that position. So, a guy with a lot of ability, Mitchell Tinsley, you're going to hear his name a lot.
1: Yeah, uh, coming out of Western Kentucky he he had some serious numbers last year. We're stoked about him. Um I don't know if he I don't know if he'll necessarily take Jahan's like the way Jahan took the top off of defenses. I don't know if Mitchell Tinsley has that Quite that kind of a uh, speed, the top end speed, p- the breakaway speed, but a very polished, maybe a
0: little bit more like, polished receiver. um, he, he may be a little bit more like, um, like Deshaun Hamilton, um, where he's a, he's about got Deshaun's body size, I think, mm-hmm. where he can go up for balls in the middle and, you know, uh, elbow out other, uh, defenders and, um, yeah, so it might be a slightly different approach to catching balls. Like you said, he may not be catching the deep ball like Jahan did, but just someone who can be a reliable number one receiver. Um, I was assuming that would be Parker Washington and maybe it will be, but, um, Mitchell Tinsley is a huge, huge addition to the wide receiving core. Okay.
1: Fun fact about Mitchell real quick. He, when he came to campus, um, he's been rooming with Sean Clifford. They are roommates. Right.
0: So trying to get that, um,
1: chemistry down early and often.
0: I know we can't work, but at least let's get the friendship thing going.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: (laughs) What's that quote from, (laughs) um, that quote,
1: I don't know offhand Andy
0: too long. What about Bob? Oh, wow. (laughs) It's When he goes over to Dr. Marvin's house he decides to stay there for the summer. Yeah, He's like, I know we can't work, but let's get the friendship thing going. All <laughs> oh, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Anyway. All right. Or so Leo. let's talk about these position groups. Um, what we're going to see this year. We've already talked a lot about Sean Clifford. I've got a couple more things to throw on the table. And then I just want to, we got to, we got to crack open this, nut a little bit. Um, sixth year, super duper senior. Um, in addition to some of those, Last season stats, I told you he's also (laughs) here, here are a couple really interesting, positive statistics for Sean Clifford. All right. He has the current all time leading completion percentage at Penn state. He holds the number one. He's, he's a 10th of a point ahead of Daryl Clark at 60.3% on his career. I'm taking Daryl Clark over Sean Clifford by the end of the season. I'm just taking him like if I were, Oh oh, yeah. In terms of quarterback. Yeah. But I'm just saying, look, he's, he started for three years. He, he has the best completion percentage all time at Penn state, whether he can keep that this year. Um, you know, depends on whether he can have a better year than he did last year, but that's, that's, I mean, one of the main things that we criticize about him all the time is how frequently he misfires on passes. Cause when
1: it's bad, but it's he still bad. has got That's the better why. he's,
0: he's better completion percentage than anybody at Penn state ever over his career. I, I just, I'm not wowed by the completion percentage uh stat. Anyway, I'm just not, so, it's just not going to do it. Number for three, me. by the way, is trace McSorley at 59. I'm also 30%. taking trace over Sean. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, he, he also, Continues to hold the longest touchdown pass in Penn state history. And also this is a fun one. Most passing attempts in a game. Sean Clifford was it 57 it? at Maryland mm. in 2020. Good so Lord. those are fun things. Um, Did we win that game? A home. Did game. we lose that game? No, we lost miserably. to Maryland's right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we lost um, miserably. Right. But he, these stats, uh, again, these records
1: aren't, aren't, aren't really blowing up my skirt, Andy,
0: Okay, here, here, here. Are a couple other. Here are a couple other. He ranks second at Penn State in career passing touchdowns, mm-hmm. at sixty-two behind Trace McSorley, at seventy. So he needs only eight more to hold the record, uh, career record on that. He also ranks third in passing yardage, at seven thousand eight hundred thirty-nine behind Trace and Hackenberg. Hack has the the highest at uh, nine thousand eight hundred ninety-nine. So. Clifford basically needs to throw for 2000 yards this year to hold the leader in that position. He ranks third in completions at 607 behind both Christian and trace. Uh, Trace holds the the most at 720. Okay. So Clifford only needs to complete 113 passes this year to, uh, to be number one in that. And then finally he ranks fourth in passing attempts behind Zach Mills, trace and Christian Hackenberg at 1235. Zach Mills
1: leads in attempts.
0: No, he, he's behind Zach Mills. Christian Hackenberg leads okay. uh, in attempts. Let me and ask so you. So he needs only 200. Go ahead. He needs only 219 attempts to be the most all-time let me, let, uh, passing and passing attempts. Let me ask you a question. When you think of. Okay, last
1: thing. Uh, last thing. You said finally. This, so I, is, I just assumed I could weasel my, my nose in here.
0: He, he has 21 wins as a starter. But that's just 10 games behind the all-time leader, Trace McSorley, who has 31. So if we have a 10 win season, he'll be tied for the most all time wins as a quarterback. At Let's State. put it this way. So here's my question. Ugh. As productive as he's been, why don't we feel better about him as a quarterback? The
1: same reason we don't feel great about, uh, about um, uh, Hackenberg. None of those stats mattered. <laughs> I'm, I mean, like, listen, I'm, we're thankful that, that Hackenberg, that Christian Hackenberg came to Penn State in, during a time of, you know, just full-blown question marks, of, of, are we going to even have a football team? So I'm thankful for that, and, and you know, he was never capable of, like, you know, going to a bowl game, And but, like, it, you know, that, those teams were doomed to begin with, but um, his freshman year, great, cool, but then all the rest of his years were just, like, riddled, riddled with inconsistencies and and no meaningful wins. Name 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 three meaningful wins for Sean.
0: Um, Auburn last year. Which
1: ultimately didn't matter.
0: No, but at the time it was a meaningful win. At the time it was a meaningful win. That's probably the only one. Um, yeah, no, that's a fair point. Uh, here here's what I think. I mean, I'm I'm with you 100 percent That was a setup question because well, yeah, because when you yeah, when we you don't think feel that great that about the
1: greatest him. Penn State quarterbacks. You don't think of Kerry Collins. Exactly. And and they had
0: meaningful wins on their record. Here's what I think. Clutch wins. Yep. Clutch wins and consistency to the point where you don't hurt your team with your mistakes. And I think those two things are what, uh, have kept, um, Sean Clifford from being regarded as a great Penn State quarterback is he he has, hasn't earned enough clutch wins
1: he's just been around and, forever at this point that's just what's going well, on
0: look like we said like this this stuff is nothing to sneeze at he's actually not a terrible he's not as bad a quarterback as we make him out to be but you know it's like this past year you know we lost all of our games by single digits that we lost, and we lost six of them, yeah, I, I guess the bowl game was not single digits, but the regular season games were all single digit losses. those games were in hand, and Sean Clifford had the ball in his hand with enough time in all of those games to make a difference, and he just didn't come through when he needed to um put it on the offensive line, put it on the lack of a running game, whatever um but the offense led by Sean yeah, Clifford didn't Trey it did not have a those... great offensive line either. Not yeah. at all. Like, it, it, yeah. So I think that's in spite of those statistics, in spite of the yards, in spite of the completions, in spite of the number of touchdowns, in spite of the uh, completion percentage, not winning those clutch games. And I think the other is that there have been moments in those same games where mistakes by Sean Clifford have put us in a position to lose. Uh, and, uh, you know, just some, he's made some boneheaded plays at times. Some of them um, have really, really hurt us. And um, I think that's the other thing that like we worry about when we go out, you know, whether he misses a wide open receiver, it's like, yeah, he has a 60% completion rate, but when you miss the one that's going to move the chains at the end of the game, that's the one that makes a difference, right? (laughs) Or, you know, or throwing an untimely interception or um, putting the ball on the floor, you know. Uh, We've seen that enough to feel feel like we ought to have more out of our starting quarterback at Penn State.
1: You know the term
0: um, uh,
1: getting munsoned? No, it's from the movie Kingpin with, with, you know, um, Woody Harrelson. And I guess I have never seen, seen Kingpin. One. It's from the, the, the same, the Farrelly brothers that did Dumb and Dumber and a handful of other, other films. Um, but, uh, months in his name of Woody Harrelson, and he's, uh, he had the, the world in the palm of his hand and then he just threw it all <laughs> away. And it's, it's called get, you know, months, you know, getting yeah. months and, and Clifford, yeah you know, as a freshman had the world in the palm of his hand,
0: you know, it's true. And
1: he's been munsoning ever since. And there's a lot of factors that are uh, involving how that's shaking out COVID, whatever, all his running backs getting hurt. Um, you know, whatever, whatever, here's, I think part of the real problem with, with, Clifford and his decision-making processes and how they get erratic, more erratic by the year, it seems, or it has seemed. Um, you, you, Hackenberg got worse over the years from his freshman year. Yeah. And it's because he was yeah. getting sacked more than anyone in college football yeah. at the time. And we, we've seen that exact same thing going on that's, with Clifford. Th- that's what I'm trying to say now. Is that a product of, of the offensive line? Is that a product of him holding the ball too long? Whatever it is, getting hit, whatever the whatever the reason for getting hit, like it changes you as a quarterback. It changes the way you assess and process and function back there behind the offensive line. And and maybe we're just seeing Clifford regress because of just how many times he's taken sacks, whether again, whether it's his fault or not, notwithstanding, like yeah. that's what we're probably well, seeing. I mean here. the other
0: factor, of course oft talked about is that he hasn't had the same um offensive coordinator yeah. well, yeah. I mean his freshman year was his second year in Ricky Ronnie's system. And then he had to adjust to Kirk Shiraka and last year he adjusted to um what's his name like Yersich. So you know this is his first time since his freshman year he'll have a second year in the same offensive system. Um And, you know, I guess the last thing I want to say about Sean Clifford for this year, I was kind of hoping he'd move on and we could just start a new era at Penn State. Um, We'll see what we get out of him this year. But this is an opportunity for Sean Clifford to rewrite this narrative. If he can do what we expected him to do following his freshman campaign in 2019, um, you know, we might be thinking about Sean Clifford totally differently five years from now. And seeing his name on the top of all those statistical charts, we might have feelings about him like we have had about Trace McSorley as being one of the great all-time quarterbacks. Even though Trace's numbers weren't as great at his last season, you know, he accomplished some things for Penn State uh, that few quarterbacks have. And, you know, Sean Clifford has a chance to do uh something like that um with this Final year. It'll be interesting to see if he can, you know, change the narrative, prove the doubters wrong, prove us wrong, and um, you know, really go out and make something happen. I hope he doesn't try too hard, because that seems when he presses, <laughs> you know, things go haywire. But yeah, we'll see. We we gotta we gotta see these guys take the field. Um behind him we've got Christian Veyu, uh, a, a serviceable backup, and then Drew Alar, Bo Pribula um on, on his heels, and that rounds out the quarterback room. I just want to real, real briefly touch on each of these position groups. Um, we got a new um, running back room basically because of Nick Singleton um, and then Kevon Lee and Devin Ford are the two um, returners. What's it going to, what's it going to take to get this running game working properly? We already touched on the offensive line, but uh, you know, uh, that's obviously a factor, but what's it going to take to get a, a decent running game going? Well, um, the the The
1: offensive line gelling together and not missing, bl- not having blown assignments where two guys are blocking one guy and another guy's coming in free at, like fifty percent of the time. Um, so not embarrassing offensive line moments like that that were happening on the regular last season in every game. Um, yeah. That's first and foremost. But but you know Saquon Barkley was a was an offensive line eraser um, with with his moves back there yeah. and. And to me, Keevon Lee doesn't have eraser moves. Um, he's just not quick enough. You need to get him, that dude needs to get up and down the field. He can't be going side to side.
0: It really felt like, it really felt like we didn't have, uh, our, our backs did not have the ability to make a quick cut.
1: Devin Ford hold, is not, you know, this, this kind of back either. I, honestly, uh, I, I'd be willing to bet money. That Nick Singleton has the most carry if, if all the running backs stay healthy all year, and they play to the best of their abilities. By the end, by by early on in the season, it'll start to be clear that I think Nick Singleton is the best back that we've got, and I think that he'll be getting the most carries, even if he's not starting every game. He'll come in in the second, third se- series or whatever, and start. Uh, you know, I just I I think that he. Can cover up the mistakes of an offensive line much easier than Kevon Lee or Devin Ford, and and I'm hearing great things about Katron Allen too. Uh, He's another true freshman coming in.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yep. So I honestly, the youth movement and the running back position, I think, is going to end up being like the the jam because we know what we have in Kevon Lee. Devin Ford can't stay healthy, and Devin Ford, by the way, he's like 190 pounds. Yeah. And, and he's not, he's, he's not a, as quick. He look and he, yeah, for being smaller, he's not that quick. And, you know, I guess he's just well, well, well rounded back. And he's been in the system long enough that he knows his assignments and all that kind of stuff. And, the, but, but like, y- you can't just be serviceable in this offensive like system with this offensive line. Do you, you need the, the, the running back to be able to make some plays. And, and I just don't, we didn't have that at
0: all last year. Did we, that's
1: what I'm saying. Even with Kevon Lee, like Kevon Lee can run downhill, but he's not, he's not taking a game over.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe it's a talent uh, on the, in the backfield has been part of the problem. Maybe Nick Singleton creates that, um, you know, creates that new dynamic, that wrinkle that we haven't had. Uh, It would be great to see it. You know the other thing we saw last year. Was, his
1: nickname is Gatorade for because he was the National Gatorade, Gatorade National
0: Player of the Year last year. I mean, I hope um, I hope he's as <laughs> advertised because I'm I'm re- I really got tired of of watching the run game just be a, a you know a lesson in futility. It was, and the other side of the coin there is that like Mike Yursich was stubbornly continually going to a running game that clearly wasn't working. It just felt like we were squandering downs and you know, I mean, sometimes like you use the run to set up the pass or it's like, you gotta, you could just got, you can't abandon the run game entirely. But like, I would say by the, by the second half of the season, it just felt like, it felt like, why are we continually trying to do this thing that is completely pointless and hopeless? It, you know i i wonder if we're going to see that again this year i mean part of me felt like last year mike gersh was like these guys got to learn how to run this system and i'm trying to create some learning this year that's going to pay dividends next year it really felt like we were kind of throwing away our opportunities to win games for the sake of making trying to get guys to figure out how to block in Mike Yersich's system. And I wonder if this year, A, if that will pay off and they'll actually have figured out how to how to run the system this year. Or B, if he's going to be more quick to just say, hey, if the run game isn't working, we're not gonna we're not gonna beat our heads against a brick wall. I wonder, you know, I mean it was his first year in the the Big Ten, we different sort of defenses than he was used to, certainly at Oklahoma State and, and Texas. Um I, I just, he was at Ohio state for, too. A, for a year and he was the passing game coordinator that year. So, um, I, you know, I just, I just wonder, I just wonder if, if your approach is going to be the same or if it's going to be different. And, you know, I, I, I can't, I can't it will personally take another year <laughs> in, in the running game. Like last year, I just, something's got to give. Um,
1: well, again, you know, is Phil Troutline getting enough heat
0: for his offensive I, line? I don't know how you make an offensive line work personally. I'm, it's, well, it sure all seems I, I complicated, but, so, you know, I don't know who but the... is he taking enough heat is all I'm... I don't know who the were, scapegoat were is. On, I, I, like I said before, you, I just want them to fix it.
1: Yeah, well, that's on Troutline, Yeah, you know, to, to fix his unit.
0: Let's talk about the know? wide receivers now. Um, all right, two years ago... The wide receiving core was the biggest underperformer. We were really, really disappointed and worried. there were tons of drops, you know, just f- failure to make the, the, the receiving game go. And then last year, that was the strength of the team. And I think we're going to see that again this year. We've got Mitchell Tinsley, already talked about him, Andre Lambert-Smith and Parker Washington, hugely productive last year. Um, Malik Mega, who's returning. He had a, had a breakout year last year with some interesting, uh, catches and games and then freshman Caden Saunders. And, um, don't forget by the way, um, Liam Clifford, redshirt freshman. Um, he's going to potentially see the field to catch passes from his brother. I wonder if he's, I wonder if he's good enough to actually uh, make, I bet it'll happen one
1: time. I bet it'll happen at least (laughs) one time, but, um, um,
0: But yeah, no Cam
1: Sullivan, uh, no 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 Daniel Daniel George. George. Those are the big, big culprits of of the drops and, um, uh, you know, definitely head shakers, uh, you know, when those guys were trying, you know, wide open, you know, could have had first downs. They just couldn't catch a ball to save their lives. You know, they had all the physical attributes that you could want in a wide receiver and just except for the fact that they just weren't catching I'm hoping Malik
0: Mega is going to be that like tall receiver with great hands that can catch the ball because he looked pretty good in a couple of games last year.
1: Yeah yeah we'll see certainly I think it's going to be uh the top three um you know Parker Washington Mitchell Tinsley and Keandre Lambert-Smith it will be those three um it'll be their those jobs guys to, are just lose, super reliable
0: in my mind i mean i haven't seen mitchell tinsley on the field but his reputation precedes him and and parker and keandre they just they were clutch you know they made mm-hmm. great catches all last year they weren't number 1 necessarily i mean parker was number 2 and keandre was number 3 but i never i never felt i anticipate
1: like, parker taking a pretty big
0: leap this year i hope, um, so. I hope I, so i i, I, I I'm sure that him and Mitchell Tinsley
1: have become pals and all that kind of thing, but I'm sure in the back of Parker's mind, he's not going to let some transfer come in and, you know, out, outdo all the work that he's been putting into this program for multiple years now. Um, Yeah. I hope there's a really,
0: a really um,
1: robust competition. That if you, if you, you know, work like Jahan Dotson did, you could become a first round draft pick, you know? So, so I'm not saying Parker is going to be a first round draft pick, but he has he has a, a, he above has average ability at, at, at worst I would say above average ability. He has made some miraculous catches and now it's just it's his turn to like, you know, receive some of the sh- the share of the catches that went uh Jahan Dotson's way and 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 you got to think that Sean Clifford has had a good chemistry and rapport with Parker for the last 2 years now that they can you know, make some things click to, to kind of take Parker's game to the next level.
0: So uh, I, I think what's really exciting is that we've got three receivers who will be starting that are, it just creates coverage issues for opposing defenses. All three of these guys can make game breaking catches. All three of them um, can n- neutralize opposing uh, defenses. And if you, you know, put your, you know, best cover corner out there, You know which one of these guys are you going to take, and which one of these guys are you going to leave to you know a nickel uh, cornerback or a linebacker? It's gonna it's gonna create problems for them, and I think um, we're gonna see a a really. exciting passing game again this year. Hopefully maybe a little more consistent than last year, even if um, Clifford can take some steps. And joining them um, in the receiving game and also in the blocking game will be uh, the three tight ends that we've mentioned a few times, uh, Brenton Strange, Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren. Um, They seemed to struggle last year in the blocking game, and uh, they also didn't have as many you know, big time receiving plays as we were hoping down the line. Some of that might be Mike. You're such a system, but you know, do you, do you expect anything different out of these guys this year? And, um, how are you feeling about our tight ends? Um, I felt better about them going into last year than I do this year. Um,
1: sadly, but essentially, yeah, I just, I, I don't think the coaches feel they have one tight end that is light years better than another. And I think that they're, They all kind of have their own different qualities to them. Like Tyler Warren, they've used him as a gadget wildcat quarterback a bunch. Um, And he's a a very physical um, player. And I think he's even listed as a backup quarterback down the line for Penn State. Um, I think that he's like maybe fifth string or something like that. But um, because he was a high school quarterback. So Tyler Warren brings a lot to the table. And, and, and I think part of it is his physicality. Um, but he's technically a third stringer, uh, I think. Uh, and you have the other two, Brenton Strange and um, – oh, Andy, what's the – I don't have – I can, yeah, I don't have my notes in front of me because I'm I'm all on my phone here, and I'm looking at your face, and if I'm looking at your face, <laughs> that means I'm not looking at my notes. So um, Theo Johnson is, I think, the most physically gifted of the three of them, and and he is. By the way, he has uh, run the fastest forty time of any tight end in Penn State history, recorded history. That is, yikes. Um, uh, he he ran faster than even Mike Asikis, and this guy's six six two sixty. So he's got yeah, he's what a year you younger
0: than Brenton strange. And so, you know, the, he's a true junior. This is going to be his third year in the system. Uh, or I should say second year in the system, but third year, um, you know, with game time at Penn state, I, I do hope he takes a step forward. I, I I've been excited about Theo Johnson from when he was first recruited. So it'd be nice if he had a breakout season this year, really would.
1: Yeah. I, I, I just, you know, I think they like, they like Brenton Strange's just he's overall I think he's the the most well-rounded of the three of them Tyler Johnson has the biggest ceiling I'm sorry not Theo Johnson has the biggest ceiling and Tyler Warren I think is um like the most physical of the bunch and between the three of them they kind of get what they want out of you know what the tight end position is supposed to be um so you'd like to see Theo uh, b- break out, but you know, I don't know if the coaches feel any one of them is gonna be that like Pat Fryermeath or Mike Kosicki type. I'm not saying we have a Pat Fryermeath on the team or a Mike Kosicki on the team. I'm just saying like that that type of tight end that's gonna break out and be the number one guy and make the catches and get the yards and and get the red zone touchdowns and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, so let's wrap up this um, breakdown of the position groups with that. O line, and you know, like I said, I really don't know what it takes to make a good offensive line these days. I I, I know what a bad offensive line looks like because I've been watching it so frequently over the last I don't know seven years at Penn State. But um, we've got some returners, and we've got some new faces that that you know, who, who knows, they might make a difference this year. Um, we some articles are projecting. You know some some of those spots are, are locked up. Um, uh, center is projected to be Juice Scruggs. He's a redshirt senior. Um, our left and right tackle seem to be locked down. Left tackle looks to be Alu Fashano, and right tackle Caden Wallace, which is where he's played for the last few years. And then the guard spots seem to be up for debate. Um, a couple of names there: um, Landon Tengwell. Uh, he's appeared in a few games last year. He's a redshirt freshman, um, and JB Nelson, um, red shirt, sophomore, uh, a Juco transfer. We mentioned earlier, um, looks like they could be competing for one of the guard spots. And then, uh, the other guard spot, um, looks to be between Salem, uh, Salem Wormley, who's a redshirt shirt, Salim, junior. Salim, excuse me um or Hunter Norzad who's a redshirt senior transfer from Cornell so he's coming from over from the um Ivy League or Patriot League you know so a lower tier team but with a lot of experience so um you know those those interior linemen seem to be um you know unclear who's going to who's going to be there but you know Franklin took a different approach talking about the offensive line this year Um, pretty much every year he said, Hey, this is going to be the year, our offensive, I'm feeling great about our offensive line. They're really going to get, get there this year. And then they don't. And so this year at media day, he basically said, I'm not going to tell you, I think this is going to be our year for the O line. I'm going to let them show it on the field. And I don't know if that's because he's worried about them or if he's even more confident about them and he doesn't need to hype them up or if he just feels like he's tired of saying something that's not actually true. And he doesn't know any more than we do, whether he's going to have a good line this year. Um, you, you know, I I just, bro, everything would be different if we had a great offensive line and I just, I can't for the life of me, bring myself to hope that it's going to actually be the case.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, We're to the point where it's just, just shut up and show me.
0: Yep. Just shut up and show me.
1: <laughs> and I think, I think Franklin, ha, you know, has felt the heat on the offensive line enough that he doesn't want to throw them under the bus. He doesn't want to like jinx it. He doesn't want to say something that doesn't come to fruition. So he's just
0: like, I'm just going to wait and see, just like y'all are going to wait and see. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, we'll find out in two weeks, I guess. Uh. And we're playing Purdue. So we're starting off away. At a Big Ten opponent, it'll give us a good sense of how this offensive line is looking. I mean, it's Purdue is no slouch of a of a Big Ten team. You know, they aren't the best Big Ten team, but they've they've knocked off Ohio State. In a, you know, recently, a few years, um, they're going to be a challenge for us. So, and there'll be a challenge for the good challenge for this offensive line to see where they are. We'll know, I think early on, whether this is going to be a problem point or if they've turned a quarter. Um, All right. We're going to wrap up this episode on the offense with just what's, what's your overall, we've talked through where they were last year. We've talked through who's coming in this year. We've talked through this year's position groups. What are you feeling about? What are you thinking? What's your overall outlook on the offense this year? that
1: the, Passing attack will not be as dangerous, but I think the running game will be better, and I think the offensive line will be slightly better, and I think Sean Clifford will be Sean Clifford.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think I, I think I have my hopes for the offense this year have to do with the fact that it's a second year in Mike a system, and some of the kinks from last year that we i it seems reasonable to expect fewer of them and that that would show up on the field. Um I don't know if I agree with you that the passing attack will be less potent. I think it could be as potent and potentially more with a guy like Mitchell Tinsley coming in. That's that's no dig against Jahan Dotson, but it's a, he's a different size and style receiver. It gives us some different options this year. So, I'm interested uh, to see how that's going, I am I am just crossing my fingers that our rushing attack can just be moderately passable for a you know power five run game. I, I just I can't I can't deal with it if it if it isn't. To me, the 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 two big wild cards are does Sean Clifford take some strides this year, which I'm not honestly expecting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's possible but I'm not expecting it. And then same thing with the O-line. Are they going to finally get their act together? Cause that's going to be a, a performance multiplier. If the O-line improves significantly over where they were the last few years, take everything that I'm expecting for this year and like, you know, change it by a factor of like 0.3 or 0.4. Like you can actually increase you know expectations if that offensive line is going to be in some ways dominant against the majority of the competition. But again, I think it's possible, but I'm not expecting it. And so, uh, you know, I'm I'm holding my breath to see what this team can show us. Um, I'm expecting perhaps overall marginally better than last year. I'm expecting Nick Singleton to save
1: Penn State football this season. That's what I'm expecting.
0: And when I say I'm expecting that, I'm
1: like praying every night that somebody, <laughs> anybody can, can save this run, this running offense. And honestly, I'm putting Help me, Obi-Wan I'm Kenobi. You're my only hope. My, all my eggs into the freshman basket and, and just saying, <laughs> Hey, you know, we, we already know what we've gotten Devin Ford and Kevon Lee. Uh, and with a bad offensive line, it's not, they're not going to cut it. If the offensive line stays bad, we need more talented running backs. And it, it appears that these freshmen uh, I mean that's why Kaziah Holmes left because i Holmes was a four star recruit, you know, along with Keyvon Lee, and they redshirted him last year. And, yeah. and, and then, and then this year, they, they see he sees these new freshmen coming in, and they're already passing him on the depth chart after he's been in for two years, and he played some as a freshman along with Keyvon Lee. Um, he even. I think
0: Yeah, it's a good point. Well, let's yeah. let's hope let's hope he's at, as advertised. I mean, it's a little bit of reading the tea leaves, I guess, but um I hate that sound again. We'll
1: <laughs> oh, I don't okay. know why I hate it. Actually, I know why oh, I it's hate it. I know why I hate
0: it. Okay. And all right. Well, let's let's get into that another time, shall we? Maybe.
1: <laughs>
0: maybe. But um for now we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. Hey, I'm really glad we've been able to make this connection happen, bro. Um and our next episode, which I think, I think we're going to try to record as soon as we wrap this one up. Uh, so we're going to get a twofer, but our next episode is, is going to be on the defense. Uh, so, you know, uh, keep the blue and white brothers in your podcast queue, because um, we're going to be talking about the defense uh, very shortly. But uh, until then, bro, it's been great uh, having this having this walk down memory lane and last year's amazing offensive performance. And I hope I never ever have to think about that Illinois game ever again in my life. Same. Cause, cause just talking about it for three seconds today was, was almost more than I could bear, <laughs> but a new offensive season is upon us. Um, we're looking forward to it. All right, bro. It always starts with, I love you. It ends with, I love you. And this podcast ends. Now, Right now. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go.
1: And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise.